we said we've finished our time up on community at the end of the year and we'll be completing our time with global interaction at the end of June. Um, it has been a great 11 years, lots of ups and downs, but we have learnt such a lot. And I just thought I'd share one story. Um, it's interesting when you say about sharing stories and on a Sunday night at Sing Along, that's exactly what we would do is uh, that the, the group would have a singer, singing time and then they would say, anyone got to share, and then sit down. And at Kalkaringi, you might be waiting five minutes for someone to get up and share. But they would tell what God has been doing in their life over that week. In the end of September, we had a woman's camp. Some of you may have read it in our newsletter. We had ladies uh, from both Kalkaringi and Lajamanu join together at, at Outbush, near the river, seven mile out of Kalkaringi. Um, and four ladies from Darwin joined us, and it was a great time. It was stinking hot, like 43. So instead of leaving at like 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, we all went out bush at about four, but had a lovely time. And the Sunday morning was just a time of singing and sharing, and, and again, on that theme of telling your story. So there was about 40, 35, 40 ladies there, and we sat around, and each person told a little bit of their story. And how powerful is it? Don't ever underestimate the power of your story, the power of what God has been doing in you over the past week. Don't be afraid to share it, because it is so important. And uh, the highlight for the Darwin ladies, and both ladies, was at the end of the camp, the Lajamanu ladies taught us how to do a repentance palapa, which is a dance. <laughs> no, maybe this afternoon. <laughs> maybe this afternoon, not now. And it was really great because it brought Gurindji Walpi ladies together and the Kadia ladies from Darwin together. And it was, it was a really great time of... Um, learning together, and when you know Indigenous culture, the actual dance only was very short, but the getting it ready, preparing it, and the noise and the toing and froing was really great. So it was just great to see God working in that, over that weekend, and we, we trust that they keep it going. I was surprised that Pauline didn't mention another highlight for us was our daughter and two grandsons coming up to visit us this year and you, you probably saw them with the paint all over them at the uh, colour day. So who was paying attention in, that me in the video? Everyone? Yeah, you're not real sure, are you? I'm actually glad that you, you mentioned about audience participation because... Up there, you, you always did. <laughs> People would yell out and call out and all the rest of it, so don't feel shy that you can't do it because I'll be asking questions just to see whether you're awake and, and how well you're paying attention. So who saw a bus in the movie? What colour was it? White with a blue stripe. Does that sound familiar, Robbie? That was the bus that, that this church, um, in conjunction with um, Devonport, who made a donation, and the community up there, that was the bus that was bought, and 
the team that came from here drove it up to community uh, to visit the last time. I'm pleased to say the bus is at Kalkaringi and is being utilised well. We um, went up to community with the aim of empowering the leaders for them to do church in their own particular way. At Kalkaringi, it's actually two communities. It's Kalkaringi and Dagaragu, and they have a bus that goes out to Dagaragu on a Sunday morning, picks up people, brings them back into church, and then takes them back afterwards. Of a night time, goes around Kalkaringi, picks up people, takes them over to Dagaragu, and we have a meeting over there. And that's repeated throughout the week. We have different meetings in different communities, and the bus is utilised a lot. We've sent that bus up to Kalkaringi and it's actually given the church a bit of freedom because they've been invited from neighbouring communities to actually go out and help them um, to um, plant a church to encourage folk in, a, in the other communities where there's no church. So these guys are now using that bus to go out and this is of their own accord, this isn't something that we've suggested to them, but they've just grown and been empowered and they now have decided they will go out to these other communities so they can load up one of the buses and take them out to the other community and encourage them and there's still the bus to, to go for the folk there. So they are all very, very appreciative of that bus and want to say thank you for it and it is being used very, very well. Right, I've got a, down to the serious bit now, I've got a reading here and it's from the Gospel of Luke, reading from chapter 8, verses 26 through to 39. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. This is actually from the um, CEV version, which is the version we used up there, the contemporary English version, which is a easy to understand version, so it might read a little bit different to what you've got in front of you. So Luke 8, 26. Jesus and his disciples sailed across Lake Galilee and came to shore near the town of Gerasa. As Jesus was getting out of the boat, he was met by a man from that town. The man had demons in him. He had gone naked for a long time and no longer lived in a house but in the graveyard. The man saw Jesus and screamed. He knelt down in front of him and shouted, Jesus, son of God in heaven, what do you want with me? I beg you not to torture me. He said this because Jesus had already told the evil spirit to go out of him. The man had often been attacked by the demon and even though he had been bound with chains and leg irons and kept under guard, he smashed whatever bound him. Then the demon would force him out into the lonely places. Jesus asked the man, what is your name? He answered, my name is Lots. He said this because there were lots of demons in him. They begged Jesus not to send them to the deep pit where they would be punished. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. So the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and Jesus let them go. Then the demons left the man and went into the pigs. 
the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the men taking care of the pigs saw this, they ran to spread the news to the town and, in, and on the farms. The people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they also found the man. The demons had gone out of him and he was sitting there at the feet of Jesus. He had clothes on and was in his right mind. But the people were terrified. Then all who had seen the man healed told about it. Everyone from around Gerasa begged Jesus to leave because they were so frightened. When Jesus got back into the boat to start back, the man had been healed, who had been healed begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him off and said, Go back home and tell everyone how much God has done for you. The man then went all over town telling everything that Jesus had done for him. Now, this is a typical missionary-type passage, isn't it? No one's real sure. I just want to bring out a few things in here. When I first read that, there's a few odd things about this story. Does anything strike you as being odd? Sorry? Pigs. Jewish people love pigs, don't they? Wrong. One of the things that struck me is, if they're Jewish, why are there pigs? I'll let you into a little secret. This isn't Jewish country. This is actually the area where the Sumerians lived. And we know how much the Jews love the Sumerians, don't we? Do we know why they don't, they don't like them? No one's real sure. We just know that we don't like them. Sounds like a, an argument we had with someone years ago. We forget why we don't like them, we just know we don't talk to them, don't we? Actually, the, when um, the Babylonians um, invaded Israel, they took off most of the people, all the able-bodied and, and fit and whatnot, and they left some of the, the, um, yeah, the if you like, the the dregs of society, the, the ones who were unfit, um, all that, they left them behind. The Jews that were taken away into captivity, they maintained their faith. But the ones who were left behind when the invaders came in, they married into the, to the other culture and they ended up sort of losing their culture, losing their faith and were worshipping the other gods. So when the Jews came back from the exile and took over their country, they looked down on this, these Sumerians because they weren't really truly Jewish anymore. They were half Jewish or something like that. They worshipped other gods, so they weren't pure Jews anymore, so the Jewish people looked down on them and, and sort of, you know, wanted nothing to do with them. So that's the basis of the, the history there. So if we have an understanding of this, here's Jesus going across the lake to Samaria. Now the Jews didn't go through Samaria. They would take detours around it, travel days longer to avoid going through there. Does anyone know what comes just before this passage? 
Ah, that's testing you, isn't it? Come on. Jesus calms the... See, I knew you knew it. He calms the storm. Now, when I first heard that story, I thought with Jesus asleep in the back and the storm there and the disciples went up and woke him up, I, I used to think that they had a, a sense of, don't you care that we're going to drown here? But after realising that they were going across to a foreign country, into Samaria, where the Jewish people don't go, I think there would have been a, almost a sense of the disciples when they were going, look what you've got us into now, even God doesn't want us to go over there. And I think we can see that. Who got out of the boat when they got there? What about the rest of them? Doesn't say anything about them, does it? Jesus is the only one got out. I think the disciples were sitting in the boat saying, we're not going to Samaria. We're not getting out of here. We're not going to corrupt ourselves. Jesus went across and he's the only one who got out of the boat. Now imagine the sight when you get out of the boat. Here's this demon-possessed man, naked, bleeding, running down, screaming. I can understand why the rest of the disciples stayed in the boat. I don't know whether I would have got out there either. But Jesus got out and confronted this man. And, yeah, dealt with the demons. He confronted this, this man. He just calmed the, the storm, dealt with the elements. He now dealt with the spiritual side of things. Do we know what happens straight after this? The next passage? He went back over there. He's walking through the crowd and the spiritual leader says, my daughter is dying. The woman with the bleeding touches him and is healed. Then he goes and raises that young girl from the dead. So in four consecutive stories, he deals with the elements. He deals with the spiritual dimension. He deals with healing. And he conquers death. It's a wonderful group of stories, isn't it? And sometimes we, we look at things without looking at the, the picture and what is going on. It's interesting where the only thing Jesus does is heal this man. We could look at this as he crossed over the lake just to reach that one person. He went out of his way to reach one person. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that gets me because it shows the lengths Jesus will do to reach us. He has to go to where we are. He doesn't take us to where he is. He'll reach us at our point. And, you know, sometimes we have this attitude that, you know, I've got to get right before... I come to church or, and we, we sort of 
mightn't say it, but deep down we, we think it with other people that they have to do something, get themselves right before they can come in here and meet God. They have to come along to church to meet God. We hear Jesus went to the probably one of the last places the Jewish people would go to to meet this one tormented soul. What effort do we make to reach out to someone? What effort do we make to, to help someone when they, when they really need it? It's interesting when Jesus healed this man and the whole town came out to meet him. Now you'd think that this guy would be, you know, he, he would be the terror of the town. You know, they've said that they've chained him up and all sorts of things and he kept breaking it. You know, the town, I firmly believe that this is the sort of person that the, the parents will be telling their kids about. Don't you go outside this town because he'll get you. You know, we don't do that sort of thing nowadays, though, do we? But I reckon the whole town would have known about this person and been terrified about him. The kids, it's sort of stuff of nightmares, isn't it? This guy was living up there. You'd think when he was healed, the town would be happy. This is one less thing they have to worry about. But is that what we see in the story? No. The town was afraid. Now, you can sort of look at a few different reasons why they're afraid, but maybe they're afraid of, hey, if he can do that to this guy, I don't want him near me because he might change me too. Because a lot of us come to, to Jesus, but we come on our own terms. We, we want Jesus to bless us, we don't really want him to change us. And I think part of that was the thinking here with these guys where they didn't want change. Because that's, that's sort of something that we can all get a, a bit afraid of. You know, we, we get into our comfort zone and we, we know what we want and we'll keep doing the same thing over and over again. But if you guys who are in the country and you're driving along a dirt road and you keep driving on it, what happens to the road that you're travelling on? It ends up being a bit of a rut, doesn't it? So we, we tend to think that's the only way we can do it and that's what we have to do. And that was one of our challenges when we went up to uh, the NT is, is to stop and realise that we can't keep doing things exactly the same way. You saw at the start of that movie, the jungler and, and, um, and another guy standing up there clapping the boomerangs. One of the first services we had up there, um, jungler, he was the pastor up there. Um, many of you would have heard of Jerry Jungler. He got up, he was preaching. And he got up and he started talking and he goes, oh, I've got a song about that. Now, I don't know, have you ever burst into song in the middle of a sermon? <laughs> this was something different, and he picked up the boomerangs, and he starts clapping them and singing a song. 
And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, like the Aboriginal chant type of thing. I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I don't know how comfortable I am with this. We'd only been up there about two, three weeks. And I'm thinking, oh. And one of the leaders is sitting beside me and leaned over and said, do you understand what he's singing? And I said, I haven't got a clue. He said, he's singing about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And I looked around and there's probably close to 100 people there this night and they're all clapping along in time. Um, all of a sudden it hit me, it's not, I'm not used to this, but it's not about me. It's about relating to God. And this is how they wanted to relate to God. So I had to quickly change all my thinking and come up with you know, a, uh, an open mind to, to take in. You know, we were, yeah, we, we were out of our comfort zone. And I think these guys were too, and that's why they didn't want Jesus around the place, because he, he's obviously got some sort of power, and they weren't real sure. They didn't want to change. Where the reality is, if we come to Jesus, he changes us from what we were to what he wants us to be. Which is always a better person what we were. I remember having a conversation several years ago with one of my brothers and we were very close, we were 11 months apart and somebody would say, yeah, because I've changed when I've become a Christian and he turned around to me one day, he said you know, you're you're not the same anymore I said, well what do you mean? Because you've changed so much and I said, well, okay. The question is, am I a better person now since I've become a Christian or was I a better person before? No, that's not the point. You've changed. I said, no. The point is, am I a better person now or then? He goes, no, you, you've just changed. I said, Cole, because if you really love me, you would want me to become a better person, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, so am I a better person now or then? Oh, yeah, you're better now, but you're different. You're changed. And I think God does change us, and he wants to improve us. He wants to, to work in our life. Um, I think if you ask Pauline, she, she'll tell you that I've changed. Probably not quick enough, according to her, but I've changed. <laughs> but, yeah, when we encounter um, Jesus or encounter things, it does change us. And some of the guys who, who came up on the trip, I think they've said that they've changed. They're different to what they were before. And, yeah, you want to talk to them about their experiences up there. And if Robbie hasn't ever told you, ask him about the night that he stopped at Jim's place with Belky and how Jim had these smelly dogs. So just ask him about that story. I'm not going to tell you anymore. Pauline starts laughing, she remembered the story. But this guy, Jesus had driven the demons out of him and he's in his right mind, he's clothed and he's sitting at Jesus' feet. And the people, they were afraid. And like I said, it's, I think it's a bit like this change and, you know, don't want to change. It's a bit like, you know, sort of a, a drunk who knows 
the trouble he's causing himself and the harm he's doing himself, but doesn't want to become sober because that's what life's about. Our change is hard work. I think sometimes we approach change from the wrong way around. We approach a situation differently. You know, the, another story that Jesus told about the Samaritans was the Good Samaritan. And I think, yeah, you can be critical of the, the first two, the, um, the um, priest and the Levite, because they were walking along and they crossed the road. And I think the question they saw when they looked at that man was, um, what will happen to me if I help this person? Have I got the resources to help them? What will it take for me to do this? And that's usually the way we approach difficult situations, isn't it? What, have I got the resources to do this? What will it take for me to do it? Am I fair in saying that? But I think the Samaritan approached it from the other way. Not what will happen to me if I help this guy, but what will happen to this guy if I don't help him? Different way of looking at it, isn't it? And I think that's the way Jesus looked at things. He wanted to help them. It didn't matter what the cost was. If he was worried about the cross, cost, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. He wanted to help. He, he did it and the focus was on the person there. The people dismissed Jesus. They said, yeah, go, we don't want you here. And Jesus, being the gentleman that he is, got back in the boat. And you notice it says that Jesus got back in the boat. None of the others are mentioned. I think they were still sitting in the boat watching. And then one of the really strange things when I first read this I couldn't really understand was when the, Jesus got back in the boat, they start to go, and the guy who'd been healed yells out, Jesus, Jesus, I want to I wanna come with you. I want to be one of your disciples. I want to follow you. Now, I don't know if, he, if, if people have had the opportunity to, to lead people into a relationship with God. But when you do, it's a, it's a great feeling, man. It's, you just feel blessed and I've never ever seen someone not be introduced to a church or into the pastor or to a small group or, you know, you do the follow-up. Jesus turned around and said, nah, don't want you. Now, to me that was always, you know, this doesn't make sense. But more and more I come to understand what he said next. He said, I want you to go back into town and tell everyone what God has done for you. So once again, it's that story. Go back into your village and tell your story. Now, here he is, gone from being a lunatic one minute to a missionary the next. And some people would say there's not much difference between the two. But all of a sudden, he's been sent out with a mission. Go and tell people your story. 
Go and tell people about God, what God has done for you. Now, I get a bit envious of this guy. He didn't have to go and do Bible college and training and all this sort of stuff. He just sent straight out. But stop and think of the impact he would have in that town. Everyone in that town would know who he was. Everyone would know what he was. He wouldn't have to say much. He'd just stand there and go, everyone goes, I know. (laughs) Yeah? Wouldn't they? Because everyone would know his history. Everyone would know his story. And the great thing is no one could argue with his story. And the same thing for each one of us. Our story mightn't be as dramatic as that, but we all have a story. Are you sharing your story? Are you sharing what God has done for you to those around you? It's it's an interesting passage in a lot of ways. Now, I probably wouldn't send a missionary to that town. A plague, maybe. Missionary, probably not. That just driven him away. But Jesus didn't want anyone to miss out on hearing the story. So are we doing that? Are we doing that with our own lives? Sharing of what God has done. Jesus came to bring peace. He went this journey over there to to reach this man. This one poor, tormented soul. And I think it's amazing when we stop and look at the end of the Gospels. And it's Jesus that's naked, bloodied and driven into the tombs. He's taken that guy and put himself into that place. And he's done that for each one of us. Let's pray. Robert of God, we just thank you that you are a mighty God, that you are a God that cares so much for each one of us. Father, no one is too far from you. No one has done things too bad that you can't reach, that you can't love. So Father, our prayer today is that you'll forgive us for all the things we've done, that you'll just pour your love into each and every one of us, Lord, and you'll help us to change our viewpoint from what's it going to take for me to do this to what's what's it mean for that person if I don't be involved in their life. Help me to share my story or your story through me to each person. Amen. Thank you for your blessings. Amen.